Welcome to Abiding in Hope, a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and St. Rose of Lima Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Marianne Jepson, co-host with... And I'm Father John Sims Baker, the pastor of St. Rose of Lima in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So good to have you with me, Father. Great to be with you always, Marianne. Yes, well, as always, would you please start us off with prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, bless you, and glorify you, and thank you. We ask you to open our hearts to receive and accept all the graces and blessings that you want to give us. We know that you want to do so much for us. And yet so often we seem to have difficulty being able to accept and receive. So break open our hearts. Let us hear your word. Let us receive your grace, your mercy, uh, to follow you, to trust you, to love you, to obey you. And we ask all these prayers to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, grace, the Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou among women, women, and blessed blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Rose of Lima, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So nice to be able to do this show, to have... Um, two patron saints with us, isn't it, Father? <laughs> yes, it's great. It we, really is. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, it is. I really rely on my heavenly patrons a lot, and my list gets longer and longer all the time. You know, the more different parishes you go to or things oh, like that. Yeah. So you get more saints that way, which is great. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I have um, St. Anthony has long been one of my favorites. He has found so many things for me over the years. And um, I had a little story where I used to, um, when we lived in Boston, I had um, the Jehovah Witnesses used to come to my door a lot. And I wasn't working at the time. I was staying home with young children. And I told, they said, um, you know, they would always talk with me. I said, well, you know what? You're welcome to talk to me. You certainly are. Um, but I'm Catholic and I'm staying that way. I'm not moving. Um, so you can come on. But every time you talk with me about the Jehovah Witnesses, what I will do is, as long as this is okay with you, I'm going to share my Catholicism with you. And um, so they were like, oh, yeah, okay, that works. So they would bring their trainees to my door about every two weeks or something. And one time I had lost a um, a a wedding band, and it had been gone for months, and I didn't want to say anything to uh, my husband about it um, because I thought, oh, he'll want to tear the apartment apart and everything. I'll just keep it quiet, and uh, you know, eventually. But I had been asking St. Anthony for so many favors and things. I thought, I'll give him a break on this one. Eventually, it'll appear. Well, it didn't for nine months. And so... Ask him. Ask him. Well, so I finally did. This one morning I went and I said, St. Anthony, please, Stephen is, you know, he wants to tear the apartment apart. I need your help on this ring, please. I do not want to tear this apartment apart. 
So suddenly, right after that, I got up and I walked down the hallway. And for some reason, I was led into the bathroom. I was not going to go into the bathroom for any reason. But for some reason, I was led in there. And I'm looking in the mirror. And it's like, I don't know why I'm here looking in the mirror. But I was inclined to open the medicine cabinet there behind the mirror. And I look, and suddenly I have like this tingling right from my head on down. And I look, at, and there is a jar of jewelry cleaner. I reached in, pulled it out, and um, there was my ring. Well, I quickly put it on, and I, the doorbell rang. And I ran to the door, and it was the Jehovah Witnesses. And I had nothing that time, I thought, to um, Catholicism-wise to say to them. I was just thrown off until... One of the women said, oh, your ring is so beautiful and shiny. <laughs> it ought to be. It's been sitting in the cleaner for months. Exactly right. So then I shared St. Anthony. There you have yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was no, I that love St. Anthony. Thing. I yeah. lose things all the time. Yeah. I, one oh. of my priest friends always told he said, I can always tell when you've come to visit because you always leave something. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wear out St. Anthony. I do too. I do too. And that's why I hadn't prayed to him for nine months, but it happened just as this was supposed to, because that whole thing from the prayer to finding it was about two minutes. And then the doorbell rang. And then I listened to them for about five or 10 minutes. And then I thought, boy, I am really dry today. I have nothing to say. I don't know what it is. And then that woman said that. And I thought, that is just amazing. That is just amazing how that all happened. So anyway, we have questions, Father. Great. You ready to get to them? Sitting on ready. Rocking on, on go. go. Okay. So here's our first one. Hopefully you can help me with my struggle in relating to God as a loving father. I was in middle school when my dad died, and my only memories of him are very painful. He was distant and angry most of the time with a very violent temper. My mom was often beat, and when my sister and I tried to stop him, we were slapped around as well. The norm in our home was tiptoeing around him and trying to avoid him as much as possible. I thought this was how all families lived until we moved to a new town, and thankfully, neighbors began to intervene. As an adult, I am close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but I keep the Father at a safe distance. My heart longs to feel his love, yet I can't seem to let him in. Suggestions? That sounds like one for you, Father, completely. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Although I don't know completely. I think okay. there are definitely some, you know, very understandable human elements to this. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. in the first place, I mean, that's what I would just say. This is very understandable, especially from, you know, the human, very human experience you had, you know, growing up in your family to have this difficulty with the whole concept of father. And and that's very understandable. And what I would suggest from a spiritual point of view, anyhow, and I think, Mary Ann, you, you probably have some good uh, suggestions on the more, with the more human dynamics here. But mm-hmm. on the spiritual <clears throat> side, what I would suggest, you asked for suggestions, so I'll, I'll try to throw something out there to you. Um, as, as I think, you know, we've had questions like this actually before, similar to this. Yeah, and we have. That's what so I was thinking. It's mm-hmm. obvious that this really touches on something that's, you know, really out there. 
And I'm glad to have a chance to try to address it again because being able to understand and relate to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as our God and Father is is really foundational. It's a very foundational part of 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 revelation of the way that God reveals Himself to us. Um, I know a story one time again. I don't know. That's an anecdote. I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it's a good story. Anyhow, mm-hmm. I think it is a, a priest that I know who had been at some meetings in Rome many, many years ago uh, before Pope Benedict was Pope Benedict when he was Cardinal Ratzinger. And uh, it was at a time when there was a lot of talk about, uh, you know, sort of inclusive language, that sort of thing. And the um, there, at this, it was at during lunch and some people were talking about this and they were talking about some scholars really objecting to using the term father for God. Oh. And maybe based on some of these very real human experiences that like the person who sent in this question um, has, has posed. And Cardinal Ratziger really hadn't said anything. And somebody you know turned to him at one point and said, well, your eminence, what, what do you think about this question? And, and he said, these people, these scholars, have they read the New Testament? <laughs> and, and so that's, that it's, it is fundamental. I mean, Jesus calls God Father. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, a, that's about as fundamental as it can get. One of the things we have to remember is, and, and this says from Scripture as well, that the whole concept and reality of fatherhood is wrapped up in God. It's a divine reality. And which our human experience of fatherhood is only uh, analogous to that. Uh, it's only in sort of comparison with that fatherhood of, of God. That's true fatherhood. Now, that's not the way we experience it. Usually, you know, in the human level, we experience uh, a human father and then sort of relate that to God. But the reality is actually the other way around. God is father in the absolute sense of the word. And human fathers are fathers insofar, frankly, as they um, correspond to the fatherhood of God. So that might be helpful. Start with God. That's really helpful in about everything of the spiritual life, uh, is always take God as the starting point. When we kind of start from ourselves and try to work our way up to God, that's when we a lot run into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But if we'll just take God in faith— and then let that come down into our lives, then I think we can, we're more able to uh, appreciate and understand and to accept what God is revealing to us, even though there may be difficulties that are completely understandable, as, as this uh, questioner um, puts it. And so um, we look at God to understand um, what it means. But even that is not without its own difficulties. The whole experience of Jesus' 
passion and crucifixion. You know, there's that word from the cross where Jesus says, quotes the 22nd Psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's a, that can be kind of problematic. What I would encourage you to do, though, in that case is go and read the whole of the 22nd Psalm. And we get to the end of it, and it's a profound statement of faith. It sounds at the beginning like Jesus is sort of despairing. But if you know, he's actually quoting the 22nd Psalm and probably praying the whole thing. Um, then we realize that it's a profound statement of faith. So our relationship to God as Father is challenging. you know. And some of the challenge might be our home human experiences. But more important than that is, is that it's hugely consoling to know that that is our relationship to God. It's this intensely personal and loving relationship. God is not an abstraction. God is not at a distance. God is not, you know, God is about as close to us as he can possibly be. He is, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in this loving and personal way. That is what, the fact that you are a child of God, a beloved child of God, is the most fundamental thing to understand, for each one of us to understand about ourselves. Through the waters of of baptism, the Heavenly Father has adopted us, and we are His children and heirs of His kingdom. And so it's important about what it tells us about God, but it's also important in what it reveals to us about ourselves, that we are essentially the children of God. Um, and and to be able to live that and to be incorporated into that divine sonship of Jesus Christ. So um, begin with God and... Uh, God as Father, and then let that lead you into understanding and seeing yourself as child, beloved child of the Heavenly Father. And take those beautiful images that we have, for example, of the Father in the parable of the prodigal son, that just wildly merciful Father, uh, wildly merciful and gracious Father, who gives us some idea of the mercy and graciousness of of the heavenly father i hope that helps some but marianne i think you probably have some good advice too on the human level well uh maybe i have a few things but that was just very beautiful father what you had to say uh i i think um you know the sad reality as i read this i think so this was about um a broken relationship because of the father of this this person who wrote this, but um, I think how true this could be in other kinds of instances where people may look at why do they have why does someone die because of a illness and a loved one or you know oftentimes I see people who have one thing after the other after the other or they're all piled on at once and it it disrupts their um, relationship with God because it's 
they question why could could a loving God drop all of this on my lap when it you know I look at other people and they don't seem to have these kind of sufferings or sorrows. The bottom line is that you know we all have our crosses to bear, and they come in different shapes and sizes and forms and and all across our life that's just part of being human that if life is pretty good right now, well, there might be just some sort of suffering <laughs> lurking around the corner, it seems. And it, Jesus was not immune to this himself, you know, that his his own father allowed this. But that doesn't mean that that father is an unmerciful father, like you, you were talking about the beautiful prodigal son story. Um, so I think these... These feelings are normal. Certainly they are. They come from that human aspect of us, but we have that those aspirations of beyond, of of something greater and better and more perfect in our relationships with um, God and, and everyone else in our lives. And um, while we have traumatic experiences, um, and this one's certainly a, a, a significant one. Um, sometimes the the best thing that we can do to relate to God is to be the one who forgives. Uh, right. You know, the father, this father is gone now. He's not continuing to traumatize in this situation. But even if he was around, the best thing to do is to forgive him, even though that's so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, That is an act of the will, a very difficult at times act of the will. And just because the memories lurk back in of, of how one has been hurt, that doesn't mean to, um, that doesn't mean that you aren't in the process of forgiveness or haven't forgiven. It just means those memories come back and they hurt again. And it's a reminder as we feel that pain that we have yet again to forgive and to commit to for that forgiveness. Just as in the prodigal son, um, the story, that father forgave his son and rejoiced when he came home. And um, so I think that that's where what we have to do repeatedly to um, work on that relationship with God the Father is to use that image of the prodigal son story and and that merciful um, embrace that he has of his son because that's really what we have to strive for to get past our own issues with things. Right. And one other thing I would just add to what you said as well is that and, 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 and give some hope to the person who wrote this question as well. It's just frankly the fact that there is obviously the desire for this relationship of a loving father. Uh, you know, even after this, these very difficult negative experiences um, in the in the in childhood, there's still a longing to know a loving father, and sometimes paying attention to our desires and our longings. Is really important. I think sometimes we don't do that enough. And so, and saying, well, if this desire and longing actually was not fulfilled, you know, in that experience, is there a place it can be fulfilled? Can I find that fulfillment? And again, I think that's another way maybe to coming to God as Father is following that desire 
that good holy desire that actually God has put within you. So great. Um, yeah. Very nice. Yes. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Abiding in Hope, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio in Columbus and St. Rose of Lima Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Marianne Jepson. My co-host is Father John Sims Baker. And we have another question for you. Um, Here we go. Here is a situation that I need some insight on. I recently attended a community penance service with many priests there to hear confessions. I consider myself to have a well-formed conscience, and I confessed what I believe to be a serious sin. The priest said to me, these days that's not such a bad thing. It was awkward. I didn't know if I should correct the priest since I knew the church teaching. I didn't say anything. I just made my act of contrition and left rather confused. Since absolution comes from Jesus, I believe the sin was forgiven in the sacrament. My question is, should I have spoken up? Father. Well, first of all, I would like just as a priest, um, maybe to just maybe apologize to the person who wrote this question for that kind of experience, that can be a very, very troubling thing. I think when you have an experience in confession that, um, I mean, whether intentionally or not, and it's hard to tell sometimes, um, leaves the person, you know, like this person who wrote this question, just kind of feeling odd. I, I know I've had that experience, not not often. I can think of one time in particular, though, in confession, and a kind of a just hard for me to imagine the situation that it was. But um, so I know that kind of firsthand, too. You can have sort of a somehow unsettling experience mm-hmm. in, in confession. But the, what I would just say, first of all, just on the fundamental sacramental question here, as long as the priest said, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit— you received absolution. It sounds like you made a completely valid confession, um, and 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 you received the absolution. So, and that's the the point I would get to is really what the priest has to say in confession, other than the absolution. It's frankly not terribly important. I, as a priest, saying that I, and somebody who <laughs> loves confession and and can see how confession is, you know is helpful to people and has and whom I have received beautiful help in confession. It seems kind of funny to say that, but what's really important in confession, as this questioner rightly observes, is not so much what the priest says, but what God says. Mm-hmm. And it, of course, the priest does say it in that beautiful formula of absolution where he's speaking in the person of, of Jesus Christ, uh, in the person of Christ, the head of the mystical body. I absolve you of your sins, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. But that's what you want to hear in confession, okay? And if you hear that, then you should feel great, okay? <laughs> um, the other things... Um, can be very very helpful, and they're and not and I'm not saying that they're not a part of the sacrament. There are that the advice or counsel that the priest may give you, um, but that's yeah not of the absolute essence of the sacrament, and and the priest can be, you know, you know, he might be just having a bad day. He might be tired. He might have fallen asleep. <laughs> he might have whatever you know. Um, 
I know one time I was aware of, on reflection after a confession, I think maybe giving somebody advice that might have been inaccurate, actually. On, and I remember that just troubled me so much, because what do you do as a priest if you do that? You can't really say anything to anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had no idea who this person was, anyhow. But, um, And I just prayed that God would correct that somehow, if that was the case. And uh, it was so, This and this is just, again, so beautiful on God's part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that person came back to me to confession some considerable time later. And I only know it because they brought it up, you oh. know? And, <laughs> and, the, and did they say you gave me bad advice or did they say no, thank you for that? if I had given them bad <laughs> advice, they had not paid <laughs> any attention to it. <laughs> and, and it hadn't done any harm or any damage. So God had either corrected it or whatever, yeah. you know? But yeah. I thought, God, you are so good to me. What are the chances of that? You know, that, I mean, so that's what I would encourage, again, this person to do. Pray for that priest. Um, you know, that priest may have even misunderstood what you said or this or that or, um, may, or you know, I don't know. We, we just don't know. But um, it sounds like your conscience was well-formed. You uh, honestly confessed what you believed to be your sins. Uh, and if the priest absolved you in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, you received absolution. It was a completely valid confession, even if it was a little you know, troubling, perhaps. So um, just pray for that priest or pray for that situation uh, that if there's anything that needs to be fixed, it would be fixed. And trust that God will do it. I know like firsthand experience that those kind of things can happen. Yeah. So yeah. as far as should you have spoken up? No, I don't think you should feel it's some obligation to have done that. That's, you know, that's not on a penitent when they come to confession. You're not there to provide theological education to the priest necessarily, you know. Uh, I think you could have felt free to have done so, um, but you were there to it, it receive the absolution and mercy of God. That's what you came for to that sacrament, and that's what you have a right to expect from that sacrament. And I'm I'm presuming that you actually did receive that. It's not the penitent's place to have to try to correct the priest or that sort of thing if if it needs to be done. Now, like I said, you could you you would be free to do so to speak to the priest about it, but um, but it, uh, you don't have any. It's not your obligation, and you should feel at peace about that. You know that's what the sacrament. This sacrament is for is as it says. Um, it's about pardon and peace. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and and so, don't don't let your peace be be troubled. Yeah, you've been given a gift in the sacrament, a gift of grace and forgiveness, and um, take the gift and and uh, be grateful for it. I guess I'm. I would just be concerned that if you had spoken up, that it might have gotten into some sort of argument, and then it would yeah. have been not good. So um, that would have been worse. So anyway, Father, we have come to the end of the show today. It, it Time flies so much when you're having this much fun. That's right. I can't believe it. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure Dave is Dave here. Dave is probably Dave's, waving his arms he's wildly. He's waving them wildly. So um, anyway, um, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Please do send in your questions to abidinginhope.com so you can join us too in um, this um, joyful experience that we have of bringing hope to all. Um, until next time, God bless you all.